0: An immediate breaking in of the kingdom of God into our current reality. That's what we, uh, we pray for right here, right now. You know, uh, Jesus the King is here, do you, but do you believe that? Jesus the King is here, and so his kingdom is here. And so there's an immediate, actually, you know, that whole prayer, may your kingdom come, there's an immediate application to that. But uh, Jesus also is ultimately referring to the end of the story in Revelation 21 of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. Now, uh, I hope this doesn't mess with your theology too much, but when you die, my belief certainly is as a follower of Jesus, your eternal destiny is not heaven floating on clouds uh, playing the harp. Uh, some of you are obviously disappointed about it. Some of you have been looking forward to that. Uh, our eternal destiny is a restored, renewed, perfected earth, which to me is actually far more exciting. The whole creation, the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So there's, this, there's a glorious birth thing that is to come. And Romans 8.19 tells us that, that the creation itself waits in eager anticipation. What's it waiting for? Well, not extinction. We don't need to be in fear of that. There's a, there's a waiting. The, the creation waits in eager anticipation. What's it waiting for? For the children of God to be revealed. The creation, the whole created order, is waiting for the church to be the church and to stand together in unity and work together in unity. And when it does, let me tell you, something beautiful happens. Uh, Let's take a quick look. I know you've seen this clip. I only discovered I was disappointed to discover you've already, some of you have already seen this clip, but some of you won't have seen it. And uh, I've seen it many times and it inspires me every time. It's a friend of mine, uh, Stephen Sutton from the UK. you can do some great things as a gathering of people, Uh, but you can't do it by yourselves. Uh, what you need actually is uh, some sort of connection and some sort of strategy with the other churches in the area, some of whom have a different theology. We'll come back to that um, in a minute, though. But here's a quote from um, a good friend of mine, Ian Shelton, from Toowoomba, who's really, I would describe as the father of the unity movement um, in Australia. He says, uh, A broken, wounded, divided church cannot heal a broken, wounded, divided city. And in many ways, that statement summarises, I think, some of the reality of the spiritual landscape here in Australia and the reason why the church is largely ineffective uh, in its witness. Uh, Within the church, in any given city or location, including Kalamunda, as long as we continue to fight and to compete and to operate independently, we will continue to be ineffective. Uh, The tide needs to turn and... uh, my own belief is that the tide is turning. There is a change of tide and it uh, will happen increasingly as we uh, cooperate with what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches here in Perth. Interestingly to me, there's a whole younger generation coming through. Some of you guys are here this morning that, uh, that uh, let me say, gets this. You guys seem to get this much more easily. There's almost a bit of a, well, oh, duh, that's sort of obvious. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole generation that's gone before you uh, for whom this has been less obvious we have a reading today from jeremiah and uh, let me just give you the context of this reading before i read it the context is the 580s bc when uh, king nebuchadnezzar some of you know the story laid siege to jerusalem and the temple of jerusalem solomon's temple the, the central place of worship for the people of israel was totally destroyed by the babylonians And so the people of Israel were carried off into exile. They were brought into this foreign land with its uh, different customs and its different ways. And various prophets came forward, false prophets, uh, as it turned out. And they were coming along and saying to these exiled people, you know what, God will bring you relief from your problems and your oppressors, and he will deliver you. Well, then along comes the prophet Jeremiah, who says, uh, no, actually, that's not what God's saying at all. Uh, God is not going to rescue you. God is not going to deliver you back to your home in Jerusalem. That might be nice, but that's not what's happening. Jeremiah wasn't a particularly popular fellow, actually, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, but what he did say was, he said, God has brought you here to this city of Babylon. For his purposes. He has a purpose in you being here in this city. Well let me read this for you and uh, to keep up at the back there. Uh, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, in a sense, stop asking me to deliver you back to Jerusalem. He said the opposite. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters, and this is like really settle in, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. And also, this is a key verse for us this morning, also seek the, the shalom, that, that beautiful Hebrew word peace you'd be familiar with. Seek the shalom of and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Bear in mind, these people have been brutally unkind to these newcomers. And uh, God's calling to respond in an extraordinary way. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Pray to the Lord for it. Pray for these people who have oppressed you so terribly. Because if it prospers... You too will prosper. Build houses, settle down, marry, have kids. This city where I have placed you, this is where I've placed you, this is where I want you to be. Just a few verses later, we have those famous words of Jeremiah to these exiled people. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's a a verse you probably got that on a fridge magnet at home or in a uh, uh, you, know, on a, um, you know, on a bookmark or something. It's one of those ones we love to just quote out of context. This is the context. It's a terrifying context for these people. But what a reassuring word for them. I've got plans for you to give you hope and a future. So these people now, they find themselves in this unfamiliar place, in a foreign land, in this rapidly changing landscape. And uh, it seems to me that here in 21st century Australia, We also find ourselves in a rapidly changing landscape, changing in all sorts of ways uh, for all sorts of reasons, exponentially uh, in actual fact. But let me illustrate for you one of the key ways Australia is changing. Uh, This is a map of uh, Sydney, uh, which in many ways we might consider to be the heartbeat of Australia. If you lived in Melbourne, you might disagree. But certainly in terms of business and population and Aussie culture, home to the uh, Aussie icons of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, And uh, the Opera House and Bondi Beach, you talk to anyone who's from overseas, who lives overseas, ask them about Australia, they'll talk about kangaroos and they'll talk about those sorts of uh, iconic things. Sydney. Well, as you can see on this map, Sydney's been divided into three separate sections. Western Sydney, uh, that central area in the middle, and then the eastern part. Well, Mark McRindle is uh, a name you might have heard, he's a leading social researcher here in Australia. He's done some, what I think is just fascinating demographic research into the most common surnames in this central region, don't put that next screen up yet, but if you were to hazard a guess at the most common surname, what would, just shout out a name that you think might be the most common surname in central Sydney, Smith, that's an excellent guess, let me tell you it's not Smith, if we can go to the next screen, it is Patel, Patel. Indian name, the most common surname in that part of the world. Uh, if we go to the second one there, uh, Li is a Chinese name. Number three, give the man a prize. <laughs> okay, so Smith is there, but if we go down, we work our way, we won't go through the, the whole one by one, but the next screen I think gives all the rest of them. Have a look at this, the top ten names. At some point we'll just be moving on. Have we run out of screens? Got some problems. All right, well, and I'll tell you what they are. They they might just magically appear as I begin to say them. But uh, they are Kim, which is Korean. Sing is another Indian name. Chen, Wang, Lee, (laughs) Zhang, Williams. So, <laughs> remember that old uh, Sesame, I used to love Sesame Street, that one of these things is not like the other. Well, it's a bit like that. Well, let's do, a, let's do a quick exercise. Let me get you all to stand. Just stand for a moment. I know this is unorthodox. Some of you are thinking, this is crazy Baptist guy. Steve, what are you doing? Eh? We don't stand up in the middle of a message. That way, I'm not, I haven't finished yet. Um, figures from 2016 show that here in Kalamunda, 30%... Of people who live here in your local Kalamunda community, 30% were born overseas, and have come from somewhere else. Now, down where Maggie and I live, we live in Riverton, and uh, I did looked at the stats there. Down there, it's it's over 50%, more than half now of our population in the area. We all our neighbours are Indian and uh, Chinese, and looks well, fine. We get along fine with them. But it's just it's it's interesting. Like there's just a whole influx of people. Uh, Up here, it seems like uh, you're located in a less ethnically diverse community than me. Uh, But I just thought this is an interesting exercise. It might demonstrate something that I don't want it to demonstrate. (laughs) But we'll wait and see. So now, why don't you, if you've come from another country at some stage to live in Perth, uh, would you sit down? I wonder if that's close to 30%. That's probably not bad. Now, what about if you've come, and I would be, I'll, I'll sit down. If I had a seat, I would sit down. If you've come from another part of Australia at some point in your life, so you're born somewhere else other than Western Australia or other than Perth, or say other than Western Australia, you also sit down. All right, now this, that's very interesting to me. I did this same exercise in my church at Mount Pleasant, and those who were left standing at this point in the exercise we're a very small minority. There's actually still a lot of you who are sort of, I'm not sure what that says about the hills, but just take, bear in mind that, uh, that 30%... You can all sit down, thanks very much. That 30% idea... And listen to this. Further MacRindle research, and others have researched this as well, have revealed that the main church growth that's taking place in Australia, which is not much, by the way, it's not very exciting. The church is largely in decline in Australia. That's the truth at the moment. But where there is growth, the main source of that growth is among ethnic communities as a result of immigration. What that may suggest to you as an interesting observation is that there's a whole bunch of people out there moving into your local community that you've not quite really tapped into yet, who in many cases are looking for a place to belong and perhaps are having trouble finding it. For those of you who have come from other places, may it be that God has not brought you here to Perth just so you can have a better life or so you can, kids can have a better education or better job opportunities. All of those things may well be true. I hope and pray that they are. But may it be, it may be, That God has brought you here to be a blessing to this place, to this church, to this community of Kalamunda, to this city. And here this morning we have people who have come from different parts of the world and uh, certainly across our city. The nations have come to Perth, they really have. The nations have come to Perth and uh, even the Kalamunda Church of Christ and uh, those of you who have come, each of you bring something from your culture something that god wants to use to bless this city of birth of Perth and to weave into our culture and i for one would be saying praise god we're glad you're here now that you're here seek the shalom and the prosperity of this place Kalamunda to which god has called you pray to the lord for it says the lord For if it prospers, you too will prosper. And some of you perhaps have come from nations in which trouble and hardship have taught you how to pray. Well, bring that prayerfulness here and apply it to this city, please. The spiritual landscape seems fairly barren here in Australia, so the context of this barren, in the context of this barren landscape, it's worth asking the question, uh, how are we doing as a church? Let me invite you to ask that question. How are you doing? As a church. And very importantly, how do we know how we're doing? How do we measure that? Do we measure it by our success, in particular the usual external measures of success? Uh, uh, are there more and more people over time? Are there more and more people coming to church? And uh, is there more and more money in the offerings? Uh, those are the, normally the, uh, the usual measures of a successful church. So if that's our measuring stick, if it is, and I don't think it should be, but if it is, then in this dangerous environment of spiritual consumerism, all we really need to do, if that's our measure, is serve up what people want. All we need to do is serve up, and believe you me, there are churches around the place that are very good at this. All we need to do is serve up an entertaining Sunday program with the right music, with the right babysitting service, an entertaining spirit speaker. There we go. That was entertaining. For my next trick. <laughs> serve up those things, just follow a formula, and that'll do it. We'll end up with more people and more money in the offerings. So, do we measure our health by those success factors? Well, I would say not. And I would hope you would say not. We don't want to be unsuccessful. We don't want fewer people or less money. But neither can we allow those external success measures to drive us. Well, another measure could be the measure of faithfulness. And uh, this is a measure that uh, might at first seem right, seem like the right thing, faithfulness. We want to be faithful, of course we do. And there are churches for whom this is the key measuring stick of the way that they function, the way they operate. They would say, you know what, we meet here faithfully, week after week. We pray faithfully together. We preach the word faithfully. We study the Bible. We meet in one another's homes during the week and we we study the Bible faithfully together. Nothing wrong with any of those things, of course. In fact, they're all wonderful things. But if being faithful is our key measuring stick, we may still not be doing too well as a church. And let me tell you, as I move around and uh, speak to various pastors from all over the place and all around the city, I discover that this city is full of faithful churches that are shrinking and dying. People's doing the same thing over and over again faithfully. Nothing wrong with that. But they're shrinking and dying. So the way we know whether or not we're doing well as a church is by our fruitfulness. We still don't have any... We've got nothing going on out there? That's okay. We'll just... We'll survive. In the Great Commission... There we go. See that? Success. Faithfulness. Fruitfulness gets a tick. In the Great Commission... The command of Jesus was to go into all the world and make disciples, to make disciples who then themselves would go on to make disciples with that that multiplying effect. Uh, This is the church that Jesus calls us to be, the church that is fruitful, that we bear the fruit of multiplication and that together we bear the fruit of the Spirit, those fruit described in Galatians 5. Are you bearing those fruit in your life? Love and joy and peace. Faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, humility, self-control. Are you bearing those fruit? Are we bearing those fruit? We need to be bearing those fruit individually in our lives, but also together in our ministries, in our connect groups, in our various programs. They all need to have this, uh, this, this, this fruity flavor, if you like, the flavor of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the aroma of Christ. People should be able to just taste it and smell it. When they're here in our midst and in order to be fruitful in order to see the kingdom of god come uh, i want to suggest that we need to be three things all that conveniently begin with the letter c with a bit of uh, manipulation from me as you'll see (laughs) number one we need to be christ-centered and uh, jesus says there in john 15 i'm the vine you're the branches and this is crucial if you remain in me This is the key actually (laughs) Uh, this is the key to everything this is the key to the whole of life if you remain in me says jesus and i in you you will bear much fruit that is just what will happen automatically you know a fruit tree gesundheit a fruit a fruit tree doesn't need to you know try hard to bear fruit just needs to be well planted You will bear fruit, Jesus says, and uh, this is the key to true spiritual fruitfulness, is abiding in Christ and he and us having Jesus at the centre of all that we are and all that we do. We need to be Christ-centred, not just as a throwaway line and a mission statement of a church, but as a a genuine heartfelt reality for all of us. Number two, we need to be collaborative. Uh, Paul writes to the church in the city of Philippi, he says, I always pray with joy for you, because of your partnership in the gospel. Uh, If we're going to be fruitful as a church in the city, as one church in the city of Perth, and it goes without saying, it seems obvious the more I think about it. We need to be highly collaborative. And you might ask, and uh, some have asked, some do ask, how can we collaborate with people when we don't agree with their theology? How do we collaborate with the Catholic Church when they pray to Mary and they believe different things about communion? How can we collaborate with the Pentecostals when some of them carry on like lunatics and uh, make us feel uncomfortable? Um, How can we collaborate with this other denomination that's so legalistic or this other denomination that's so liberal? Well, the answer comes from something that, uh, again, a friend of mine, Roger Sutton from the UK, he's actually the father of the, the Teesside guy, Roger Sutton, Uh, said when he spoke at our movement day he said this he said i'm a baptist pastor but in more recent times i've been moving in lots of different christian circles attending lots of churches uh, other denominations and other traditions and uh, he said it's been quite an eye-opener he said what i've learned is to stop asking how i might correct their theology and instead start asking the question where is jesus here See, that changes things all the time. Now, theology is important. Don't get me wrong. Theology is important. But he just said, when I went in with a different heart and stopped trying to correct people's theology and instead asked, where is Jesus here? He said, sure enough, Jesus is there in the sense of majesty and reverence of the high Anglican and Catholic churches with all their ways that are a bit different to our ways. Sure enough, Jesus is there in the enthusiasm and the spontaneity of the Pentecostal churches. Amidst all the craziness, (laughs) Jesus is there. Sure enough, Jesus is there in the social justice focus of the Salvation Army as they help the poor better than most of us do. Sure enough, Jesus is there in the mainline Bible-based traditions of evangelical churches like the Baptists and the Churches of Christ. Jesus is there. And maybe if we stop fighting and trying to correct each other's theology, we'll discover that those streams, actually in in the... the grace and the the goodness and the master plan of god those streams of those different traditions flow together in a river of life a river that will bring life into the city where we serve the lord together well for that to happen well we need to stop thinking tribally just as baptists or just as churches of christ and start thinking and working in a more united more collaborative way as those who together are part of the body of christ here in the city and thirdly. What I wanted to say was we need to be a church that's outward in its focus. Uh, But that didn't start with C. And uh, so I went to Google, as we do. Didn't fit with my alliteration, which is important. Thanks to Google, I found another word, centrifugal. Um, In order to be fruitful, we need to be centrifugal. Now, I'm not even sure that's a real sentence that anyone's ever said. (laughs) But... uh, But I love this definition of centrifugal, radiating from a central point. I read that and I thought, yes, thank you, Lord. That's what we need. Not just thank you, Google. Thank you, Lord. Uh, That's what we need to be as a church. And, uh, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 5 uh, about us. He says, "You, you are the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. I mean, Jesus is the light of the world, but it's an extraordinary uh, shift in focus. He then says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, says Jesus, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And here in our city of Perth, as I've become more involved in some of these things, I've heard some amazing stories from people who go out walking the streets of Northbridge in the middle of the night uh, as street chaplains, people who go into gay bars in the city and you know run Bible studies, people, who, women who minister to prostitutes in brothels, people who do alpha in, uh, in prisons. Maybe some of you are involved in some of those kinds of things. Followers of Jesus who are letting their light shine in some very dark places in our city. And you know what? God calls some people into those ministries. There's no doubt about that. But for most of us, we need to radiate the light of Christ right where we are. At least start there. Start with the ordinary, your workplace, your family home, the street where you live, your neighbours. Let your light shine for the glory of God. And my prayer for you as I've been praying for you this morning week in my preparation would be that here at Calamunda Church that you would be a church that radiates from that central point of Christ in your lives and in your midst. There's a final quote which is a flow on from Ian Shelton's first quote. A broken, wounded, divided church cannot heal a broken, wounded, divided city. However, a healed, united church will transform a broken, wounded, divided city. The whole of creation groans for that. The whole of creation waiting for it. Waiting for the church just to be the church, to put aside our petty differences, learn to work together. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we just think now of when your disciples said to you, teach us how to pray. And a part of that prayer was that we would pray, may your kingdom come. Lord, maybe this morning some of us would dare to pray that, not just as something, as a part of a prayer we memorized when we were kids, but something that we mean from our hearts that we would have a yearning to see the coming of your kingdom in and through our own lives, our own circumstances. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here. We recognize fresh this morning that you are king. We recognize that you are actively at work around the world and here in our own city, here in the city of Kalamunda, you are at work. So we would pray for this city of Kalamunda. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here in Kalamunda as it is in heaven. And use us, Lord, we pray. Use this church, this beautiful group of people to be those who work together for your purposes and for your glory as one. We ask in Jesus' name.